0: Go ahead and take this off. Um, So if you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, Hopefully the songs have clued you in, Um, even the scripture reading that Brandon did this morning. uh, That's where we're going to be, and we're going to be talking about Abraham and his faith in Romans chapter 4. Um, Super thankful and super grateful to be here. Uh, Thankful and honored that Brian asked if I could do the lesson. Um, I do miss uh, being in a smaller group and being able to have the opportunity to preach and uh, teach a lot more often, Um, but we're super glad, Maddie and I and our whole group that we brought with us, uh, to be here this weekend, but also to be here um, this morning and to worship with you guys. Um, So Romans chapter 4, we'll just spend a couple of moments this morning really just kind of going throughout all of the text here, section by section, and making a couple of points as we make our way through the text. Um, Paul, when he's here and he's writing This letter to the Romans, he's dealing with a very unique group, a group that is very much mixed of a Jewish population that you've got here and a Gentile part that's here. Um, And a lot of the first part of the book is just Paul dealing with a lot of the differences that the Jews and Gentiles would have had with one another. Uh, Being the old law, having no law, circumcision, uncircumcision, just their backgrounds with idolatry versus coming from the Old Testament, having a massive, huge lineage of dealing with God. Uh, So when we find ourselves here in chapter 4, Paul is making a really important point, and I think um, he's making many important points here. But one of the biggest things is that it has always been and always will be faith that justifies the righteous. Old law or no law, circumcision, uncircumcision, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. Faith is what it takes to connect with God. Uh, Think of passages like uh, Hebrews chapter 11, specifically verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because he who comes to God must know that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Um, A faith that hears God's words, a faith that is motivated by God's words, that takes what God says his promises at face value and believes and entrusts them. Um, But what does that look like in application? What does it look like to have a faith like Hebrews 11 is talking about? Um, And that's where we find ourselves back again here in Romans chapter 4, Paul is going to bring up and uses, basically, the example of Abraham. An example that I think both the Jews could totally get behind and the Gentiles as well could get behind, that both of themselves could have absolutely related to. Um, And it's amazing, especially in a world that we live in, a world with the deceiver, a world where constantly, day in, day out, the world is constantly trying to plague and demean and devalue our faith, that we can't trust God. Or maybe, maybe God does exist, and maybe you can kind of trust him, but you can't fully exactly know what God is and what he wants and what he's requiring of you. Abraham proves all of that to be wrong, and he proves that faith in the end, just believing God is true. Um, so like I said, we're going to make our way just through the chapter, read some uh, sections of it, talk about some points, and make a couple of points of application here. Uh, so if you will begin with me, Romans chapter 4 will start in verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, and whose sin have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And we'll stop there. Um, So one of the first points we find ourselves when we make our way, we're starting out here in the beginning of the chapter... um, is one of the big points that Paul's making is that faith trumps works any day of the week. That faith overwhelms, and that's the most important part that is here. Uh, The difficult thing of living in a physical world, being in fleshly bodies, is a lot of times we're impressed with things when it comes to the flesh. Um, Just in general, a lot of times we can be impressed with those who have tons of money, those who have wealth, they can afford certain things, they have very nice things, they have nice cars, their bank accounts are super impressive, their houses are impressive, That's a lot of what um, the Corinthians, and especially when James writes to the brethren that he's writing to, they get really caught up in that. They're even kind of preferring wealthier people. They're giving them the higher places. Um, Later on in chapter 4 of James, it's the idea that their prayers are hindered because they want physical things. They're caught up in this world. Um, We're impressed by the flesh. And even beyond that, a lot of times we can be impressed with things that are seemingly good even in the Spirit, even in Christ. Uh, think of a passage like Matthew chapter 7. Jesus tells the people, um, basically there in the Sermon on the Mount, there's going to be people in the last day. They're going to come up to me. They're going to walk up to me. They're going to say, Lord, we have prophesied. We've cast out demons. We've healed people. We've even raised the dead. And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Even physical things, doing things that seem like miracles, even miracles, are not what God is impressed by. We're caught up. We're impressed by the flesh. What was God impressed by? What was it that Abraham did that God was like, that's it. He is righteous. He's considered righteous. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham like saved the entire world. It doesn't say that Abraham raised a bunch of people from the dead or did some awesome, super fantastical feat. He believed God. He heard what God said. He believed it and he allowed that to fuel his action. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's a lot more than just that. Um, really where a lot of this is coming from is Genesis chapter 15. Uh, in fact, let's go ahead and turn there and read there so we get some context and background. Um, it wasn't just that, you know, uh, God had said to Abraham, well, you know, the, this, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. And, God, and Abraham's like, great, I got that. I, I've seen the sun rise a ton of times. I totally get that. Uh, what God had promised to him uh, took some challenges. There are some barriers to overcome there. So if you look at... Uh, Genesis chapter 15, we'll read just the first couple of verses there to get some background on what was it that Abraham believed that God had said. Um, So Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And so, I mean, pretty awesome, amazing promise. You know, uh, Abraham's worried about his lineage. He's worried about who's kind of come after him. God's like, don't worry. Someone's going to come after you. You're going to have your own child coming right directly from you, your own DNA. Abraham was not a young guy. It's not a a young couple that that God is talking to. or that's Well, you know, usually most people who are younger, they get married and then they have kids. Okay, they're young, they're healthy. Uh, Hopefully, Lord willing, they have no problem with that. Abraham was old already. Sarah was old. This would have, even in their day and time, although people live a lot longer back then than they do nowadays, would have been pretty amazing. And in their minds, absolutely impossible for them to have a child. And Abraham says, okay, I believe that. Um, Paul's making a comparison here. The same level of faith and the same just taking God at his word that it took for Abraham to receive Isaac, um, eventually to be able to go through with sacrificing Isaac just a little bit later, is the same sort of faith, the same sort of dedication it takes for us, the same way we need to believe when it comes to our own salvation. Um, That's just kind of the point that Paul's making here as you make it from verse 4 all the way through verse 8 our salvation, receiving forgiveness of sins, being redeemed, is in a sense, it's our Isaac. It's impossible, uh, considering before Jesus came along, even the Old Testament could not fully, that's a big point that Paul's going to make all throughout Romans, could not fully remove your sins, yet here comes along Jesus, here comes along God, saying something that we know of our own accord is impossible. Faith has got to be the driving factor in our life. Faith has got to be what fuels our actions. It is by the way in which we see the world. It needs to dominate our thoughts. It needs to dominate everything in our life, understanding, believing, and trusting in the words of God, despite whatever else is going around us. We'll see more of kind of those obstacles as we make our way through the chapter that Abraham had to overcome in his belief, in his trust of God. Um, So we'll keep reading. So we'll start in verse 9, 9 through 15, and we'll stop and make a couple more points. Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also for we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness how then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised not while circumcised but while uncircumcised and he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised that righteousness might be credited to them and the father of circumcision to those who are only who are not only of the circumcision, but also who follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. For the promise of Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. The law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there also is no violation. Uh, So a lot of just the things that Paul's bringing up in this section deal with kind of some overarching themes that are going through the book of Romans. We're just focused on chapter 4 here, but I think there's a couple of points to make here that are really encouraging that help us continue to talk about some of this faith that we can see within Abraham. Um, One big thing, so I mentioned earlier, kind of like an introductory statement, Abraham would have been a kind of really unifying figure for both the Jewish and uh, Gentile audience here. One, it's Father Abraham. Uh, the Jews held Abraham in a very, very high regard. He was really, essentially, he was the seed, the beginning of the nation of Israel. That is where they find themselves beginning is with Abraham and with you know the promise of Isaac being fulfilled. Think about John chapter eight when Jesus is um, he's got he's having this back and forth conversation with the Jews that are there, and he basically says, "I'm way older than Abraham was." Before Abraham was, I am. This idea, I have always existed. And they get very upset that he's kind of blasting him against Abraham. They're ready to kill him. That's there. The Jews loved Abraham, so when you bring it up, like their their ears are perking up. They're they're ready to listen. What do we have to say about Father Abraham here? Uh, so the Jews are in, and then you also think about this really awesome and really interesting point that Paul is bringing up about. Abraham and the covenant of circumcision. Genesis 15, that's where we just read. That's where the promise you're going to have a son, you're going to have a great lineage, it's going to be like the stars and the sand. Genesis chapter 17 is when circumcision eventually happens. Paul's whole point is he was deemed righteous, he was deemed faithful, he was deemed as believing in God and trusting in God and, and already worthy of so much praise and honor before he was circumcised. So both the Jews and the Gentiles could have found something about Abraham to, to be encouraging, that faith, and another point that Paul's making here is that faith transcends our, fic, uh, our physical circumstance. Um, that it, it, it goes beyond whether we are Jew or Gentile. It goes beyond whether we have the old law, new law, circumcision, uncircumcision. Uh, faith transcends that. God is always connected to people of faith. Um, we won't read it, but if you wanted to, Acts chapter 8, Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin and before all of uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees and some of the Jewish leadership, basically because he's been blaspheming against the temple. He's, he's been saying things like, the, you know, the temple's going to be destroyed. God is not really actually dwelling here. And his whole point in Acts chapter 8 is that God has always gone where his people are. God has always sought those who have first sought him. You no, know, really, it's actually God seeks us and then we go after him. God moves around and, and connects himself to people of faith. He is not placed in one structure like the temple. He is not placed in one structure like circumcision. Um, it's not bl- based on place, time. Uh, a lot of times we can find other aspects of our life where we think, you know, this, this deems me to be faithful. We come from a long line of Christians. Maybe our whole family is faithful. We've got a really awesome, great spouse or friends that are faithful, a good group. We cannot stand on the merit of others. Faith is personal. Faith is what connects you individually to the great God of heaven and earth. Um, it's, it's beyond works, it's beyond deeds, it's beyond attitude, it's beyond even maybe the surface level things that I can show everybody else here, but only God sees on the inside. Faith goes beyond all of that. For them, it was circumcision and the old law. For us, personally, I don't know what it is, but there is something, there could be something that is holding you back. Um... So Abraham's faith transcended where he was physically um, and transcended even even these covenants of the law and circumcision that are there. Uh, It goes so far beyond that. Um, Let's keep reading. So 16 through 25, I'll read it again. It was a scripture reading this morning, uh, but we'll read it one more time. For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. And the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions, and was raised because of our justification." Um, one of the things, hopefully, as you noticed, um, as, Brandon re- as Brandon read it earlier, as, as we read it now, um, it's kind of a, a theme that, that, that Paul is bringing up here. And a, a big part of it is, is God being able to. The, those who believe in God, trust in God, that he is able to overcome death, that he's able to bring life where there is no life, and the resurrection. We kind of saw that maybe a little bit earlier in the chapter, talking about forgiveness of sins, being brought from the dead, there, but you see in verse 17, um, it says, even God who gives life to the dead. Uh, Verse 19, um, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. You see even in verse 25, he was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. Uh, Paul's making a point here. Those who believe and trust in God, those who have faith, those who take God at his word and walk with it, have nothing to fear when it comes to death. Now, that's a big point that's brought up in the Old Testament. Death has been thrown out. It's been overcome. But even back in Abraham's day, because of his trust and belief in God, death was not an impossible um, obstacle. Abraham received Isaac. um, That happened in Genesis chapter 21. Um, And then eventually on, Isaac grows up a little bit. He's enjoying being a father. He's obviously ecstatic about having a son, especially definitely in his old age. Um, and then comes along the promise or not even the promise it's really the commandment where God requires of Abraham to this this beautiful uh, growing up son that's maturing, now I need you to go sacrifice him. Um, and if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, there's some really awesome points that the writer there um, makes about this uh, commandment, this this request that God makes. He's He's given him Isaac, he's he, he loves Isaac, he treasures him, it's a part of the promise, and yet now he's being told to sacrifice Isaac, and it's amazing Abraham's conclusion, as most of us know, This, as the story goes, is Abraham goes almost all the way through with it, he, he takes up Isaac, um, he's, um, getting the wood, ready to sacrifice him right before God, before an angel stops him, um, and the writer here in Hebrews makes this awesome point, kind of just into the mind of where Abraham was, this idea of God being able to overcome death, um, so, Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, "In Isaac your descendants shall be. This promise was, made, was going to be made through Isaac. It was the promise of God. It was fulfilled before him. He is now being told to sacrifice. And then verse 19. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Amazing conclusion. Yeah, Alright, cool. I, I'm gonna go through this. God has commanded. I'm gonna sacrifice Isaac. That means God is able to raise him up from the dead. Where in the world did Abraham get that conclusion from? Um, us when it comes to Jesus, we kinda get that. Jesus has raised people from the dead. We see some of the apostles doing that. We get that that is something we have seen physically. We've seen it talk about the Old Testament a little bit. We we get that to understand that as people living in our modern day, all of that is before Abraham's time. And yet he's able to come to that conclusion. Um, Without God saying, you know, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to offer up Isaac. You're going to be sad for a minute. I'll just raise him back up from the dead. God didn't say anything like that. Abraham had no uh, super clear assurance that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. So how did he get there? And I think one of the things that faith helps us to do is, one, faith helps us to believe in the impossible. And faith also helps us to really study God and come to some pretty amazing conclusions despite whatever else surrounds us um i think there's a couple of things here that paul brings up that kind of helps us to see how he came to this conclusion i think one is that abraham considered the own deadness of his own body he had already seen god uh, that's in verses like 19 now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of sarah's womb abraham understood i'm dead sarah's dead there, there is absolutely no way any child is coming from the two of us of our own accord and yet it still happened. Why? Because God said it was going to happen. Verse 17, um, as well, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, that, that last part specifically, and calls into being that which does not exist, Abraham had also considered the creation. The fact that God is able to open his mouth and things just happen. They just appear. He has power and ability to bring things from where there is nothing, Abraham knew God so well. In his faith, he, has, he had been led to some pretty amazing conclusions that any other way, there's, there's no way I would have been able to think of that. There's probably no way any, most of us would have able to think of that. Without faith, Abraham knew God. He trusted within God. So he's able to come to these pretty amazing conclusions. Uh, Verse 18, this idea of being able to uh, believe in the impossible. Think really quick back to like Luke chapter 18, verse 27, where uh, all the disciples are amazed that the rich young ruler got turned away, that, that Jesus basically said, you're lacking something, and the rich young ruler basically doesn't do it. He doesn't sell everything. The disciples are just amazed. Well, who's able to make it into heaven? This amazing, young, wealthy man wasn't able to do exactly what you've required Jesus. Who's able to make it? And Jesus makes the point, you know, with man it's impossible. With God all things are possible. Jesus is trying to help his disciples to understand it. We're being tried to help trying to be helped to understand that Abraham got it. He understood it. In verse 18, it says there, uh, it's kind of poetic, and I just really love, love the way it's talked about here. But in hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. But that's part, that part specifically at the beginning of verse, hope against hope, um, the way I, I interpret that, the way I take it, is that really Abraham had uh, physically, when it comes to really no proof, Um, And beyond any sort of human imagination, uh, trust and belief and tenacity, endurance, just just sheer human will, Abraham's faith went so far beyond that, just to take God at his word and to believe it. Um, I might embarrass myself by saying this. um, Harry Potter, I think it's the first movie. It's been a long time, but there's a scene where he goes to the train station. I don't remember the name or the number of the train station. Basically, it's just a brick wall. Everybody's walking through, and Harry's just kind of led there. He's like, it's a brick wall. I I, I don't think I can... You don't go past these things. You know, eventually he does go past it. He figures out, okay, magic is real and stuff. I think it's very much the same thing. Before, Abraham was this brick wall. Maybe sometimes in our walk with God, we find ourselves in front of a brick wall where God's telling us, you need to go ahead and walk forward. But it's a wall. But what has God said? What conclusions can we come to purely based upon God and how much he had proven himself? I think that's another point that Paul's bringing up here, that God's word alone is enough because he has proven himself. Um, the points that we had brought up earlier, 17, creation, re- being able to bring life to, uh, through Abraham and Sarah to be able to create and to have Isaac, um, this idea that God has done enough. Jesus had a big struggle with that when it came to teaching the crowds during his day and time. A lot of times you know he the miracles were there to prove the words that he was saying were true, that he was indeed from God, but eventually got to the point where people were just coming to Jesus just straight up for the miracles. Well, Jesus will believe you if you do this sign over here. And Jesus was like I'm not I'm not going to do that. I've I've shown you, you know enough. Uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Jews would come to him. You know, Where do you come from? Who is your father? What authority by you do, do you do these things? He's like, I've, I've proven that already to you. God has done enough. God has done far more than enough for us to believe him when he tells us to walk through that brick wall. Or maybe he tells us to talk to that person or to have that hard conversation or to turn from our sin, to repent, to confess. Whatever else it is that God's calling us to do, he has the power and the ability to fulfill it. That's, a, that's another and a huge point um, that Paul is also bringing up here, that Abraham knew that God was able to fulfill it. He had no proof yet. I mean, when uh, we think back to Isaac, he, he, nothing amazing or, or miraculous had quite happened, quite like anything that Abraham would experience in the future yet, but he trusted and he believed. I think another point in conclusion that we can come through, especially in this section, is um, faith comes from a deep connection to God's word. Romans 10.16, a little bit later in the book, we get that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know and we understand. If we're going to trust in God, well, we've got to know what God said, the things that he's speaking to us. Um, Abraham knew these promises, and he knew them very well. I think when we read Genesis 15, we get this idea: God's making these promises. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. We can get this idea that Abraham just, you know, okay, cool, it's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk forward with that. Um, I imagine Abraham throughout the years. There's there's a, a decent amount of time between Genesis 15 and Genesis chapter 21 when you're going to have a son, and then you know, 21, chapter 21, the son actually comes. I imagine that Abraham constantly reminded himself of the promises of God. When God picked him up and took him outside, showed him the stars that were in the sky and saying, that's going to be your descendants. Or when Abraham knew and understood about the the sands and the the shores and the seas and like, as the grains of sand are on the shore, that's also going to be your descendants. I don't think it was Abraham's just like, all right, great, awesome, cool, I've got that. I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing abraham revisited these promises um even right after genesis chapter 15 i mean well actually right after the section we read and anyway, abraham makes a sacrifice to god he 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 does these sayings and uh constantly throughout all the way up to isaac and even after he's constantly working and being motivated and doing things because of his faith verses 19 through 21 here in romans chapter four it tells us without becoming weak in faith he contemplated his own body uh now it's good uh without becoming weak in faith. And yet with respect to the promise of God, he didn't waver in belief. There he goes. That's what I was looking for. He didn't become weak, verse 20, but grew strong in faith. So Abraham wasn't weakened because of this time passage that had happened. Um, I think a lot of times in life, just in walking with God, we can find ourselves in places of waiting we've made these promises, we've made these requests to God, we we know or we think we know and we're trying to know that God is hearing these things, that he's working on it, that he's doing it, Um, we can a lot of times find ourselves growing weaker, growing more exasperated, uh, 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 struggling to continue to trust and to believe in God as the time goes on, and that's not Abraham. He's growing stronger. He's, he's doing things because of his faith. Genesis chapter 17, he's going before God and he's pleading for Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, or that's a little bit later, actually. Genesis 17, the promise of circumcision comes. He does this dedication to God, him and his whole household. Abraham was growing. He was moving despite this pretty significant amount of time that happens from the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. Um, and I can't always say that's how I wait on the Lord I can't always say that's how I am struggling and trying to be patient when it comes to God I'm not always unwavering I'm not always fully assured just like Abraham was a lot of times we can have the habit of well I know God's doing it I know his word I know he's working on it but is he really I I, I know his promises I I got it I understand it. I'm I'm praying to God I'm I'm, I'm trying to do the best but like you know I'm not fully confident Abraham was confident And he had a lot less to go on than we did. Um, So that's kind of the points I wanted to just kind of bring up as we were walking through the chapter. Um, I think there's some really cool points of application as we look back at chapter 4 as a whole. We look at Abraham. We look at the dedication that he had when it came to the conceiving and and the raising of Isaac and also even to his potential sacrifice. Um, Some things that we can really walk away from here. And I think one of the first things, uh, first points of application here we've got to connect ourselves to God's promise, and we've got to be deeply invested in God's word. We see that with Abraham. uh, That whole him remembering these promises, uh, acting on them, I imagine over and over in his mind as he was waiting for Isaac to come, he's waiting for the day for when him and uh, Sarah would finally conceive and Isaac would be born. Um, He's constantly reminding himself of God's promises. Um, We need to study God's word, and we need to know God's word well. Um, specifically when it comes to things that he has said he'll do for us, when specifically it's come to things that God said he will accomplish in and through and because of our faith. Um, I think it's important that we do that. I think it's important that we we spend as much time as we can um, challenging ourselves to know God like he knows us. And again, God can know us and will always know us better than we ever know him. But I think it's the idea, hopefully you've seen as we walk through the chapter here, that Abraham really studied God. He really knew his ability. He really knew his power. He really knew the things that God was capable of because he had spent time thinking about God. He had spent time dwelling on these promises that are there. And I think one of the ways that can happen is through consistent reading. And I don't necessarily mean consistent reading like you need to read your Bible all the way through the Bible once in a year. I'll be honest, I don't do that. (laughs) I have a hard time making it all the way through. Uh, One thing that works for me is reading actually the same chapter Uh, I'll take like three days and I'll read the same chapter over and over and over again. From there, I get something. Whatever it works for you to be gleaning things from God's word, do that. If you want to be like Abraham, if you want to get to the place where God just says something and I will just take it, I will just trust it, I will run with it until I can run no longer, you need to be dwelling on God's word. Another point. Um, While Abraham was waiting, uh, we mentioned some things. Sodom and Gomorrah, the covenant of uh, circumcision... Uh, Abraham was busy with good work. He wasn't busy with busy work. He wasn't just doing things to do things. He was continually allowing his faith to motivate him to action, to deeds, to be accomplishing things within his faith. Um, Abraham, again, as we notice verses 19 through 21, Abraham grew during his time waiting for the promise of Isaac to happen. Um, I think a lot of times we can find ourselves with lots of free time, lots of idle time, Um, Lots of time where we're just sitting, we're waiting. Maybe we're even moaning and groaning about the things that we're suffering with, we're struggling through, we're waiting on God to answer. And that is the devil's prime uh, playing field. He loves it when people aren't doing anything. He loves it when he can throw influences through the world to motivate you in the opposite direction. He can tell you lies about, well, you know, nothing's happening yet. Do you really think that God's actually able to fulfill his promises? He said it, but nothing's happened yet. We need to busy ourselves with good work. We need to continually learn and be motivated and walk by our faith while we're maybe waiting for these bigger things to be answered, these bigger things to work themselves out. Um, Abraham busied himself. He grew stronger. He dedicated himself even more and more with each and every single passing day to God as he waited for these promises to happen. And I think the last point here is that for those of faith, those who believe God, those who trust God, Nowadays, for us, those who call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus, bearers of their own cross, the resurrection is connected deeply to our faith. And as well, it's, it's the idea that God, through Jesus, has overcome death, that, that great obstacle, that great fear that so many people in the world have when it comes to those of faith. I mean, we may have a little fear, but ideally, you know, overall... We have no fear. God has already overcome that. Even in Abraham in his day, without having as many promises and assurances, Jesus, the cross, the Holy Spirit, the way that we have it, Abraham believed and trusted that God was able to overcome and overwhelm death with his power. Um, And that's kind of what Paul is bringing up and kind of concluding this chapter with, is in verses 24 through 25, all these points he's making about Abraham, he's now reflecting it back really to us, to those who are... And the current day, followers of Jesus Christ. But for our sake also, verse 24, to whom it will be credited, as to those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. God has done what he did with Abraham and with people like David and people with Solomon and whatever figure you want to come up with, all the way up to Jesus and the apostles to prove to us that he can do it that he can do the impossible, that he can overcome the deadness in your own bodies, you may be riddled with sin. Uh, probably, hopefully, most of us here have been in that position of being completely dedicated to the world, being lost, being confused, not knowing to, any way to get out of the chains of sin and of corruption, and there comes Jesus. There comes God telling you, I can, I can do this. I can blot it out. I can overcome. I can overwhelm. overwhelm and I can rid you of your sins. Um how amazing and incredible it is to be forgiven. Like I kind of said earlier at the beginning of the lesson, for most of us, our our Isaac, our impossible that God has promised that he will do, at one point in time was the forgiveness of sins. It was that God was willing to sacrifice the most precious thing he ever possessed so that you and I, at that moment, enemies of his, you know, sinners, uh, against God, Sitting against him, not really knowing of, of the grace and the love that he was about to give to us, and yet he gave it to us anyways. As Jesus was, and Abraham is, and was as well, so will we be also. And that's kind of the point of the whole lesson here. Is so whatever your Isaac is, whatever it is that God is calling you to overcome, whatever brick wall it is, know fully well that God is able to help you to walk through that and to overcome. Um, and the invitation stands for all of us, to those here this morning, maybe you... Um, are in a position where you are needing that forgiveness of sins. Uh, maybe it comes and you need it in the form of repentance. You have already pledged your life to Jesus and you've walked away or you've made mistakes and you need the help of the brethren here. Please come forward. Uh, maybe it comes for those who have never made that pledge, who have never made that sacrifice, never made that dedication. The invitation is here for you as well. All of heaven, all the angels, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, all parts of him and everyone here invites you to come forward if you have any need at the call of the song of invitation.